Welcome back. My name is Dane Saleri, pastor at Trinity Baptist Church in Gillespie, Illinois. And my name is Tommy Schmidt, and I'm the pastor of First Baptist Church of Grace Summit, Missouri. We are a couple of millennials who have a desire to be a resource to other young pastors like ourselves and like you. We want to encourage you, challenge you, and walk with you in your ministry. Uh, we're going to be blessed uh, today with this talk. Uh, hopefully it's not too long, but we, we just love doing this with, for you guys. And um, thanks for listening. If you like to connect with us more, find us on iTunes, subscribe, uh, get us on SoundCloud. It's where we put everything on there. Um, search Millennials in Ministry and uh, and subscribe with us, all right? So what are we talking about today, Tommy? All right, we are on the second edition of the Things We Didn't Learn in Seminary series. And again, if it, before you go any further, it's required listening that you hear our intro episode on this series. We don't hate seminary. It was a valuable experience. In fact, I, I really miss my seminary days sometimes. Mm, yeah. uh, in spite of that, though, there are some things that can catch you off guard if you fooled yourself into thinking that you're prepared for anything, that you've just been equipped for any scenario. Last time, uh, we talked about just the process of getting started, and today we're going to delve into the realm of church administration. Mm. You know, I, I didn't... I did take church administration class in my undergrad. There was no church administration class in my graduate work. I still have my textbook from college, and I've bought another popular church administration book lately. And, man, if you have trouble sleeping, those are the type of books you want to read. Yeah, that's right. Uh, it ends up. Dane, what was your church administration like <clears throat> in seminary? Yeah, well, I had the similar experience, but maybe different schools there. Um, church administration was summarized into maybe a couple of sessions in my pastoral ministry class in seminary. And uh, now I did have a church administration class in my undergrad, but here's the thing. We, we didn't really talk and work through the details of administration. I do remember just broad stroking things uh, like there's some helpful things too regarding leadership, identity, and uh, things of that sort. But the one thing that we did, we went over this book. We did, it was like a, a uh, a book uh, report or assessment we we did on this book called Simple Church by Tom Rader and Eric Geiger and I'll tell you what like at the time I didn't realize how valuable this book was but um, now that I'm in the position I'm at, at I realize how valuable the content was of this book it, it's it's great because it's a simple it's a simple book the processes are so simple but it's also um, so helpful for church administration and things, and um, hopefully I'll probably just reference it um, haphazardly in, in this uh, podcast, uh, but uh, I do recommend that book, and if you're listening today, uh, go check out that book. It's, it's, it's really not expensive, but it is just so valuable for, um, for some of us like me who were very ill-equipped in this area. Right. You know, in all fairness, there probably is no one-size-fits-all answer to administration. You know, a church's size, location, denomination, other factors all change how a church will administrate itself. Is it a pastor run or sort of an elder run or a congregational run church? uh, Or how are administrative decisions handled uh, with the denomination? In the case of the Methodist church down uh, the street from us, the pastor is the shepherd over two Methodist congregations. And so I'd imagine wow. that changes how you look at that and how you can divide your time. Also, I think about time and technology and how that changes how administration is done. A, a church administration book written in 2006 uh, 
would become outdated pretty quick when social media and the iPhone hit the scene, right? Yeah. yeah. And so anyone who says they have a one-size-fits-all administrative answer for your church is either naive or trying to sell sell you something. Right. Right. But even so, I've had to work through a lot of administrative issues in ministry, and I'm going to unpack three areas where I wish I had more guidance. We're going to cover over uh, some areas that some would consider administrative in other episodes, but here are three that I thought of right here. Number mm. one, yeah. how does the church organize itself for discipleship? In mm. seminary, I took a class on personal evangelism and another class on spiritual development, which was very personal. You know, how do I grow? Yeah, right. I have a good grasp on how I can lead others to Christ and how I can grow in Christ personally. Yep. Those are both good classes. I wouldn't change those. But it's one thing to organize the church's work in outreach and discipleship. Mm. Specifically, discipleship is a messy business. How do yeah. people grow? How can we best lead them down the path of God's transforming work? Do we create just more Sunday school or small mm. group classes? Lately, I've read Transformational Discipleship, and I'm currently reading a book called Conversion and Discipleship, which is really good. Mm. And soon I'll be reading Transformational Groups. Great. And uh, there seems to be this agreement that, you know, discipleship certainly is more than just Bible study classes, just filling people with knowledge. Mm. Uh, discipleship, in one sense, needs relationships. Yeah. Uh, it's more than just a program or something that we can get in a kit ordered from Lifeway. But still, as essential yep. as disciple-making is to the Christian mission, shouldn't it occupy more of our time in seminary? I mean, making yeah. disciples is the Great Commission. That's what he tells us to do. He doesn't tell us to create converts or Christians or Southern Baptists or, or whatever. He tells us to make disciples. Yep. And so this conversion discipleship aspect are, are, are simultaneous in a sense. Shouldn't we have a more working knowledge of study of how to make disciples then? Mm. It's so central to the Christian mission. And then on a related note, just this idea of choosing, training, empowering, multiplying leaders. Mm. As I've gone in ministry, that is so vitally important, and yet... Uh, that's something we just really haven't had much time to wrestle with. Yeah, yeah. This is this is really. Uh, I agree with you on all those things. I think this is such an important question that I these, these kind of questions uh, that I wrestle with in my own mind. And let me, let me just challenge if you're listening today. Let me challenge you, leaders, with with these questions right now to help you think more administratively, to help you think about discipleship um, in, in your church and fulfilling the Great Commission. Ask these questions: and What is the mission of the church? Uh, maybe, maybe you need to write this down. What is the mission of the church? Are we doing it? And if we're doing it, how do we know that we're doing it? These are really uh, important administrative questions. And for me, these were the kind of questions that begin connecting all the dots. That uh, all the things that I maybe learned in seminary. Um, all the things that I've learned uh, in college and reading books, listening to other podcasts and how other leaders do it, read, you know, things like that. And I was never really shown how to connect all these things and bring it all together to help the church uh, move in the direction of making disciples. Um, and this is, this is another helpful quote that um, uh, I heard from uh, another pastor and he got it from a book, so it's just been passed down. Nothing new under the sun, kind of thing. Uh, but but uh, he said you want to put uh, connect people uh, or put people on the right seats in the bus, right? So th- so there's a place when when God brings together a local church, there are places for each person to be, and this helps with the building up of the church. 
Um, if you want to look at uh, biblical reference for this, 1 Corinthians 12, right, talking about how the members of the body work together and they function together, they grieve together, they, they grow together. This is, an, this is, I believe this is essential for their growth as disciples, as your discipleship of these people building up the church. Um, every person and disciple, I share this in my new membership class, every person that joins a local church, I believe, is directed to that place by God himself. And he's, 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 he's ordained that, he's planned that this person would join your church. He, they're part of the puzzle piece of God's local beautiful picture that he's creating in that community uh, of his church. So people are gifted uh, with spiritual gifts. They're shaped by their skills and personalities and all these experiences. And and my role as a leader, as a disciple maker, as a pastor, is to make sure that the puzzle is being fit together well in the teaching of the word, but, but, well, in the, by the teaching of the word, and the mingling of the community, and uh, to move them on mission. So coming to that conclusion to, on my own has, over this these periods, you know, four years or so, has cost me a lot of essential time and resources. And I hope, uh, my hope is that uh, this challenge to you today. Uh, this will challenge you today to make some changes now, so you're not in my position four or five years down the road. <laughs> yeah, definitely, and it's a it's an ongoing process, you know, and a journey to learn how your church can best do those things. The second thing that came to mind as I was thinking about this is how the church organizes itself for growth. Yeah. Uh, you know, a church of fifty, a church of one hundred and fifty, a church of two fifty, a church of five fifty, and a church of a thousand and fifty do not operate the same way. They necessarily have a different church structure, government, and way of doing things. Mm. Uh, you know, people have said, people have written, it's been established time and time again that a big factor of churches not growing past that 200 bench in attendance mm. has more to do with structure than it does anything else. They might have a great vision. They might have a great, mm. uh, you know, evangelistic. They might have great programs. They might have a great service, but they can't break 200 because they can't handle the growth. Yeah. They, they're doing things still like a church uh, running about 50 or 30. Right. If that's the truth, then this is something that I want to hear about in seminary. That's something I want to do while I'm being trained yeah. uh, to be a pastor. You know, it, that kind of goes with just setting us up for success. With all the different churches that have broken these growth barriers, there should be a wealth of information for leaders to know what changes must take place in order to structure for growth, right? Mm, yeah. I mean, there's been a lot of churches that have grown over the years. Um, there was a book written many years ago simply titled How to Break Growth Barriers that may be a resource for you. Mm. Seems to be still relevant. I feel like with all the talk of church plateau and revitalization, the simple aspect of organizing for growth should be indispensable for training Christian leaders. Yeah, yeah, definitely agree there. You know, I, I, and this is something I've I've come to realize as well. Um, you may maybe you're in a new church, and maybe you're a new pastor, or you are looking to become a pastor, or you've been a pastor for a while, and you you understand this aspect. If you don't, you're going to learn it. Growth will always challenge the status quo, and the church must be obviously we all would agree unchangeably committed to the mission, right? The Great Commission. Mm -hmm. But we must constantly be changing our methods of that, especially when God brings the growth and there's so many more people, there's so many more giftings. Um, the church becomes more diverse and, 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 than it once was. Uh, and I feel that our growth sometimes is hampered by 
personally, my own leadership at the church sometimes, uh, I start to do way too much. I start to continue to uh, function as I did when the church was at 40 members, and I'm not functioning as, you know, anticipating growth or uh, addressing the growth um, by equipping people for the work of ministry as we grow to 70 members. And so it's, it's, it's important to kind of be self-aware of that at times. I'm not offering training. What, what am I doing that's hampering the growth? Am I, am I offering training? Am I, um, am I raising up new leaders that will join me to move the church forward in health and growth? We can always farm out that responsibility to someone and bring someone in, but there's leaders among you, uh, disciples of Christ among you. And um, and so it's important to address these things of growth. I heard from uh, on C- Craig Groeschel's leadership podcast. Uh, great resource for you if you're looking for administrative things. Um, he said this, and I love this. Uh, he said, "Growth breeds complexity, and complexity stunts growth." Mm-hmm. I find that so insightful. Um, as the church becomes more complex. Um, the, the 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 problem is we start to develop more policies that prevent growth. We start to um, uh, add new add different procedures or keep the same um, keep the same structures, and this will stunt our growth. Um, and when things become more com- complex, and we start to uh, put barriers and hampers on things. Um, so, anyways. Uh, if our mission, listen, if our mission is making disciples who also make disciples, then growth is dependent on my ability to give away my leadership to others. Mm-hmm. So let me encourage you all uh, who are listening to, to with, with just this. You are God's chosen leader where you are. But um, there are people in your church that are, I'm going to use this phrase, fat people right? <laughs> fat leaders. They're fat um, and they're ready. They're fat and ready. Um, just like a turkey dinner, right? Almost yeah, heading towards right. Thanksgiving here. Um, but I heard this in this book called uh, Everyday Disciple Making by Michael Kramer. He mentions these these people that are in your church ready to go. They are fat people. They are faithful, available, and teachable. So it's, a, it's an acronym. Uh, faithful, available, teachable. They're people that are, they will faithfully, they're faithfully following Jesus. They're faithfully committing themselves to the local church. They are making themselves available for the growth and uh, to see people's lives changed on the mission, right? And they're humble. They're teachable people that are really ready to challenge the status quo. They're willing to challenge, challenge the status quo in their life and grow themselves. And so it's important to reach out to these people and uh, for growth, um, anticipating growth, and for discipleship, really. I was offended at first, but now yeah. I feel better. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the third thing that I thought about is how does the church organize itself for stewardship? And what I mean mm. by that is just the allocation, the organization of resources, such as a, a church budget and the building. Maybe you don't think too much about that. I did catch a little bit of wisdom on church budgeting, mostly mm. My professor emphasized how the church budget is a theological document. It spells out what our priorities wow. are, what our values are as a church. That's, and, that's profound. And yeah. yeah, that's good. That's a good information. But give me more information. What are some healthy budgeting models? I, I know you can't give hard and fast rules. You can't give a one-size-fits-all model. But 
What about some examples from growing healthy churches? You can cut out the salaries. I don't need to know about that. That's really none of my business. Mm. But show me examples and principles of how money is allocated in a healthy way. Not that you should take that and just, you know, put it into your model. Uh, you need to you need to think contextually. You need to think about these things with your own context. But, you know, that would, that would be helpful. Um, how, do, how can we lead our people in evaluating budget items and programs, for that matter, against what we value as a church, against our vision and our values, our, our culture? How do, we, how do we lead our people to evaluate and, and to always have this evaluative uh, mentality where maybe there are some things we need to cut and, mm. uh, so, and to reevaluate and to redirect? You know, can Dave Ramsey just come out with a financial peace university church edition? Yeah. That would be great. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, not all churches operate this way, but in our neck of the woods, we have a quarterly business meeting. And another thing is I walked into a pastoral environment where I didn't really know much about parliamentary procedure, how to serve the church in business session. And, you know, I'm just curious, what administrative issues like that took you by surprise in the church? Yeah. Well, you know, first I want to say I love the idea of the budget reflecting our theology as our priorities as a church. I think that's, like I said, very profound. Uh, maybe our next episode we can talk about how, like, our the, the mission of God, the, the vision that we're casting before people uh, reflects our theology and, and it determines how we establish our budget. But anyways, uh, just, just as far as the budget, I'm just convinced that the pastor should have oversight in this area, even if we're not completely equipped in this area. But, but there are capable and talented people in your church that uh, are able to uh, competently handle these things. But the danger is, is that you get a person in there that doesn't have the, the mission or vision on their mind. They have how they did business in the world in their mind. Yeah. And so they're not, they're not people that are kingdom come, God's will be done stewards. Um, and so they're still thinking like a banker would or an accountant would and not thinking like a kingdom focused person. So so it's important to remember that, right. and that's that's another administrative issue you have to, as a pastor, have oversight in. Who is this person that's that's kind of controlling these things and, and, and paying the bills and, and casting or maybe thinking through the budget? Let's get them behind the mission and vision. I think it just comes behind, uh, comes back to that in the end, uh, at the heart of it. Um, but yeah, uh, I would say also... Um, uh, I didn't have the knowledge or experience with uh, just procedure and business meetings. Right. Uh, I, I I didn't really have any of that experience either. And so I walked into it literally. Here's what I did. As a millennial would, right? I, I, I went to the great sage of our generation, Google, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, or it used to be Ask Jeeves. But, uh, but I, I, went to, I went to the great Google and I typed in parliamentary procedure examples, <laughs> right? And I, I literally watched videos on YouTube. YouTube videos, yeah. Yeah, on, on how people did parliamentary procedure in their churches and how to um, have order um, in a really an agreeable way with everybody uh, during a business meeting. And so um, sometimes things, sometimes, you know, um, you have to learn on the job <laughs> on some of these All things, right. but... I, I did I did wish that we did have some kind of process in seminary that that taught us uh, this kind of just just firsthand practical knowledge of uh, parliamentary procedure and running business means and things like that. Um, so I guess the final challenge I want to I want to encourage you all to do is to uh, consider these aforementioned resources um, that we've just mentioned 
throughout this podcast and, and evaluate and look, take a hard look at where you see weaknesses in your administrative process uh, as a leader and as how your church functions around uh, the mission, around the vision, around the um, uh, a great commission, really, of making disciples. And, um, and, and what I want to encourage you to, to do as well is to connect with someone, another pastor, that has more experience than you. Mm-hmm. Um, connect with someone that has uh, made mistakes, right, and can kind of walk you through that. Um, I, I love uh, Proverbs fifteen twenty two. It says, plans fail when there is no counsel. But with many advisors, they succeed. And I think this is so important for you as you're listening to this as a leader to connect with wise counsel um, for this. So any, any final thoughts as we wrap up? Well, just want to emphasize that don't don't hear these three points as us whining about seminary. You know, we love seminary, but you know, if you're a young minister and coming out of seminary, don't don't assume that you're totally equipped in these areas. You know, ministry is a lifelong learning process. We have to grow and develop, and 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 we have to think carefully about where God has placed us in ministry in the context that we are. It isn't going to look the same, and so you know, like we've said in the past, maybe there isn't a very easy way to teach these things for every church, for every minister, no matter where they are in whatever country and county and whatever. Hmm. But uh, it's a, it's just a reminder to be prepared in these areas to not think that we've arrived. Yeah. Uh, we need to still be working at how to make disciples. That's how right. to structure ourselves to grow effectively and delegate work and, and how to make those budgets reflect what we value in our mission as a church. So That's great, yeah. Well, anyways, guys, thanks for listening in another episode. Um, we're really glad that you were supporting us uh, through this listening. And if, if, if this is helpful for you, please share this with someone and uh, subscribe to us, uh, to our, our channel on iTunes, like us on Facebook, um, and we hope that you have been challenged and encouraged today as we walk with you in your ministry, because we're just a couple of millennials who love other millennials. Why? Because Christ first loved us.